welcome back. This week on the Cars Unfiltered podcast. I just talked to myself because Mike and Sal are shoveling snow. Hashtag, that's Michigan life for ya. And now, the podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Cars Unfiltered podcast. Uh, this is season three, episode 13, I believe. Um, and it is Monday, January 28th, and yeah, there was no podcast release this morning, so I'm sorry. And it's just me today. Um, Mike and Sal are uh, basically shoveling snow. Uh, we all live in Michigan, and it's kind of the, uh, the well, I'll just say the polar vortex is back. And uh, we got a bunch of snow today, and I think they're all trying to clean off their sidewalks. Um, because yeah, here, if, uh, you don't get your sidewalks cleaned off within like 24 hours or whatever, a lot of people you get fined by the city. Um, I know I, if I'm delinquent in clearing off my sidewalk, um, yeah, the city will send me a nice little letter with, uh, an invoice in it. So yeah, and, and they won't shovel the sidewalk either. So it's just like, it's just a fine. So it's not really an invoice, I guess. But anyway. I do have a few things that we can uh, run through today. Um, yeah, kind of an interesting week actually for uh, the car world. Uh, as you may know, uh, we did not go to the uh, North American International Auto Show this year, uh, which apparently a bunch of other people didn't go as well. Um, I think I saw one article that estimated that there was around 35,000 less people there this year, which isn't a huge drop. I think there's usually close to uh, 800,000 or so people that go through the, the auto show. Um, so yeah, I mean, anymore though, it's kind of a big Chevy Ford show. And, you know, there's actually... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about like Ford and Chevy, since this is my like one time to talk about supercars with uh, Mike and Sal not being here. Uh, so I'll save some of that stuff for later. But uh, yeah, a lot of people not really showing up at the auto show, and uh, I think it's kind of the same reason that we didn't really weren't really interested in going. Like there wasn't really an interesting stuff being revealed, um, and there's. I mean. There's not, you know, Lamborghini's not there, Ferrari's not there. Um, at least I don't believe they were. They haven't been for several years. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just just not, not a whole lot of interesting anything going on there, and it's super cold. So, yeah, hopefully um, they're, they're actually changing the time. It's going to be moved into the summertime, I think June or something like that, which I think would be a much better time, especially for Michigan. I don't know why people have come to the auto show this time of year for however many years it's been in the winter that's i mean whoever made that decision is bad call bad call so yeah looking forward to that definitely going to um the auto show in june which i can't remember if it's june of this year if it's june of next year but definitely going to be going to the summer one because you can go to the auto show then and walk around afterwards and you know grab a burger or something and have a good time Whereas you basically run from the auto show to your freezing car, which you can't remote start most of the time because it's too far away. And uh, I don't have remote start anyway, but for people that do, and yeah, you freeze and you know for the next thirty minutes while you wait for your car to warm up, um, and then you drive down 
I-75, which last couple weekends ago when I was down there was uh, partially closed for emergency road repairs, and there was about 40 people I passed that had flat tires because the roads were so bad. So, yeah. I went and did a bunch of research on road tax and gas tax in Michigan, and that was kind of interesting. Sadly, a lot of that money doesn't go to roads, come to find out. So maybe we can have uh, that in a future open discussion episode um, later. Yeah, could be interesting. Um, let's see, the next thing that I have, the uh, let's switch over to, well, actually, I'm going to do, I'm just going to get this out of the way. And I'm mostly going to say this because Mike and Sal aren't here to defend it or, you know, kind of give me any crap about it. Uh, I noticed that the new GT500, uh, some of the interior shots, um, I, I was not impressed. I mean, this is supposed to be like the creme de la creme of Mustangs. And it's also supposed to be like the ultimate GT car, I think. I That's the way I view it from Ford. Um, you know, outside of like a Lincoln Continental RIP. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the GT500 interior, they have the, the double, or yeah, the, uh, dual clutch transmission in it, which is awesome, and they kind of, they switched the, uh, the shifter to one of those dial things instead of, you know, like a normal sh shifter, I don't know what you call it, center console shifter that a lot of them have had, uh, recently, and to me... Well, while completely functional, that's totally fine. Like, it works, I'm sure. Um, it's also the same knob style. I'm, I can't say anything about the materials because I didn't go to the auto show and I, they wouldn't let me touch it anyway, so I don't know. But it's the same style knob as the headlights. And it, it just looks cheap. It also looks kind of abandoned. Like, it's on the console still, like the center console, but it's like... Like one of the only, this is kind of the only thing that's on the console, and it just looks lonely. And yeah, so I, I personally, um, I feel like for Ford's like ultimate GT straight line car, it's kind of weird that the interior appears to have kind of. It, it also just looks, I don't know, something about the interior on it just kind of looks barren in general. Maybe there'll be some other packages um, in the future, but. Or, or available at the time that it comes, you know, comes up for sale. But uh, I, I don't know. I just was not impressed. Not super impressed at all. And then the uh, the Track Pack GT500 looks great on the outside. That's the one that all the Ford execs were talking about, the design guys and stuff. But then if you go and look, like there's also a normal version of the GT500, and that just looks like a Mustang. So yeah, kind of curious, like. Is the dual cut clutch, is that the track pack, only come with a track pack car? Like, is that going to be like a $100,000 car, and then the normal GT500 is going to be like a $70,000 car, and you just get a whole bunch of horsepower? Is that, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I guess we'll see. Uh, but not super impressed at, at the moment. We'll see down the road, maybe. Okay, so enough, uh, enough of the big three kind of talk going on there. Uh, the next thing that I have up is... The Porsche Taycan, which if you guys remember, I was pretty excited about, or still am excited about, uh, is the Porsche Mission E platform. So Porsche and a whole bunch of, you know, VW Group, these guys are building an electric platform to be used across several brands. Um, it'll be used in, it is used in the Audi e-tron, and it'll be used in the Audi e-tron GT, which is basically Audi's 
Panamera or Taycan coming up. And uh, I can't remember, there's a few other brands I think that are going to use it as well. But Porsche is doubling their production. They were planning on making 20,000 cars, 20,000 Taycan specifically, uh, I think next year. And they're going to try and do, uh, they ramped up their factories for 40 to produce 40,000 cars. So um, Porsche definitely seeing like there's going to be demand. They see that, you know, their platform, I think, is going to be a lot better. Um, they also, this information came out after uh, the Audi e-tron SUV started selling so they had some indicators and some information on that um, I'd be curious what the numbers for the uh, the e-tron actually the Audi e-tron actually were uh, how many orders how many produced I think I think that vehicle the Audi e-tron is is really good uh, especially compared to Tesla's um, me and Adam drove Tesla's a few weeks well, I guess like a month ago a month and a half ago and I was left very wanting after driving the Teslas, and that's not wanting a Tesla, uh, wanting for a lot of things that I expected uh, in, in normal vehicles. Uh, things like we were in you know, the P100D and we couldn't change the you know, traction control, sports settings, we could just change the ride height and the uh, acceleration levels, and that was it. Um, so, so yeah, also I've heard weird things where some people who drive um, kind of like highway cruise speeds, low, you know, like those speeds where you get the best gas mileage and I guess in an internal combustion car. Um, in the winter time, they actually have difficulty uh, keeping, like warming up the car inside, which I don't know if that's true. I thought that Tesla's had electric heat, um, which would not be very efficient, but it would allow for, you know, like warming, the setting the temperature of the car you know, while it's waiting down, you know, in your garage or something before you're ready to go. Um, so I'm not sure if that's true, but um, another thing I didn't necessarily like was the fit and finish. Uh, a lot of the stitching didn't seem tight. Um, there was some trim around, like some of the uh, this weather sealing around the edges that I didn't really care for was kind of sticking out, and they said they had to send it back for that. Um, and then also the size, everything, like like Elon Musk is not a small dude. Um, I think he's like 6'2", you know, 220 or something like that. And, uh, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm a little bit heavier than that, but I, I felt like everything in that car was very small. The, the back seat, the front seat and the Model S, obviously the Model 3 is going to feel smaller. Um, and then definitely the Model X, like I was very surprised. Uh, that was not, I, I don't think I'd want to be in those cars for, really extended periods of time um the cabin space and everything just felt small and i think they do that to i think the car is small and i think they do that in order to shave weight and get more efficiency out of it but but anyway i think the Taycan platform the audi e-tron and all those cars are actually going to be amazing um based on some of the stuff that's available on the internet the videos that people can see and just the like it's an experienced car company, you know, they'll know if the heat works in the wintertime, which I can't remember. I really need to look into that and see if Tesla, if that's true about Tesla's, it may have been an early version of a model S or something as well. But, um, but yeah, like just normal things, hopefully, you know, they, that they've learned for, you know, many, many generations of their vehicles, they can apply to this and I think it'll be good. All right. Um, Let's see. 
Next thing I have is the McLaren Senna. So as you guys probably have seen online, if you're into car YouTube videos, um, Alejandro from the Salamandra channel, his Senna went up in flames for whatever reason. I'm super curious to find out what happened with uh, with that. And um, but I, I I don't know. The Senna was like always an interesting car. It's like one of those cars that's just like interesting but completely unattainable for me, you know, in the near future, or at least, you know, in my mind. And uh, if I was going to spend that much money on a car, I don't know that that would be it. But after watching Jeremy Clarkson drive it on the Grand Tour, um, as is the case of weirdly a lot of, like a lot of vehicles, um, they, for whatever reason, are able to showcase them in a different light than like other, um, you know, other mediums, I guess, or other shows. And I was really surprised um, because Jeremy compared it to, Jeremy Clarkson compared it to the P1. And he said, basically the, the thing that got me really interested was, he said that the P1 is much harsher, much more, you know, um, more raw, more visceral. But the Senna was much faster, and he kind of made it sound like the Senna was just so much easier to learn, so much easier to drive, and he said he had to drive the P1 for like two months before he got comfortable with it, and he was able to start pushing the Senna within a few hours of driving it. And that is very interesting to me. I think that McLaren's, um, I don't know, I, I would love to drive not necessarily a Senna, but start driving, you know, a 570, 650S, um, and a 720S, and just kind of see, you know, maybe even an MP4, 12C, and just kind of get an idea of, like, how that platform, like, their all their platforms are progressing. And I think McLarens are, um, there's a lot of people on YouTube are starting to get them and stuff now, but I think they're actually kind of coming down into an interesting price bracket, um, a lot of the people, like successful people, like um, are kind of buying cars in that two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollar range. It seems right now, um, because if you look at the the price of the new Aston Martin uh, Vantage <clears throat> V eight Vantage, that's around two two fifty. Uh, McLaren's the new ones uh, five seven, like their entry level stuff is around that price. Um, you know, Ferrari, you kind of start getting in there around two hundred two fifty. I guess that's a, a Portofino, but. Um, Let's see, Lamborghini. I guess I don't know where the Huracan starts as far as pricing, uh, but I think it's around there too, around two, <clears throat> two twenty-five or three, you know, two fifty, something like that. But um, McLaren five seventies are actually down around the one fifty mark now, and I think that might actually be um, a really good price. Not to say though, I think they could depreciate more, but. Um, if I was looking for something for an investment, I don't think I would buy a 570S right here, but I definitely think that uh, if you want to buy a car, drive it, put miles on it, um, and you had, you know, if you were able to swing a, uh, a car payment on a $150,000 car, those are definitely getting to be in an interesting territory. They've, you know, they've dropped, I guess, what would that be, 50 grand in the last, uh, or maybe just a little less than 50 grand in the last couple, three years. And yeah, that's a lot of depreciation, but I think the steep curve part of the depreciation is, is past. So that's definitely something I think that's worth watching and kind of getting an idea of like how McLaren's depreciation will be setting up in the future. So 
anyway, just like, I don't know, something interesting. I guess I'm a nerd. I'm curious about car prices and depreciation and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. And also too, like leave something in the comments. Uh, I started kind of learning about how some of these YouTube people are affording these expensive cars. Uh, <clears throat> because as you know, like YouTube ad revenue and other revenues like kind of go up and down, right? So, um, they're actually able to get these cars cheaper than you would, you know, you might imagine. However, I think they're taking risky bets to, uh, to own them. But, uh, yeah. So that's kind of all I have for today. Um, yeah, mostly trying to survive the cold and the snow. I think that's what we're all up to here. And I think we might have a game we're going to play next time. I'm not sure yet. Don't quote me on that, but we'll see. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, definitely check this out on YouTube. Subscribe. You can check out some of our uh, adventures from the Alcan uh, 5000, our attempt at the Alcan 5000. And, yeah, we'll see you next week.